cleanest wash I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that it was, was weird. That was weird. I'm talking like this. <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry. And in this first episode, I'm here with Nate Day. In this first episode of the podcast, we talk about touring. We talk about creating a live show. We talk about the do's and don'ts of being on the road and touring stories. Thanks for being with us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Cloud Machine Podcast. We're finally here, man. Doing it. Just for those who don't really know the story, Cloud Machine is um, its an idea that we started, um, and it's about sharing um, knowledge and just things, how-tos uh, on the music industry, something that we've, we just feel like not enough things are shared about it. Um, I'm here with Nate Day. Um, Nate, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. Doing a lot better being here. Yeah. It's great. Yes. I want to start by asking you uh, about your favorite live show mm. that, you've, um, that you've ever been to. Yeah. Um, it's tough to pick. <laughs> big question. A big question, yeah. No, I have, uh, I'm going to give you two. That's all right for different reasons. Yeah, I'll give you quick though, because um, they're kind of equal, yeah. just in different ways. Uh, one is uh, I saw you two on their uh, Joshua Tree tour hey. on uh, at the Scotiabank Arena, yeah, here in Toronto, here in and Toronto. Uh, they uh, I think that tour was like um, I forget what year it was. I don't however many years it's been since that album came out, and uh, they played the whole album front to back, and uh, we were. We were on the floor, my dad and I, uh, maybe 40 feet back or something. Wow. And uh, I was like, I have no idea why, but I was like so overcome with emotion being there. No, it was the Rogers Center, my bad. Oh, yeah. It was Rogers Center. Even it wasn't bigger. the Bank. It yeah, was yeah. Rogers Center. Yeah. I was like, it was way bigger than yeah. that. And, um, yeah, that was crazy just to see some of the music I grew up on that my dad grew up on and experienced together. Yeah. Um, it was very moving for sure. And uh, I've never heard a guitar that loud in my life. Yeah, then yeah. when uh, the edge came the out, edge, yeah, that was the loudest guitar I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Best sounding guitar I've ever heard in yeah. my life too. Um, and the other one was uh, I saw the 1975 for the first time in I think 2014 at oh, what's the venue that shut down out on the east side here? Um, I forget the Cool House. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I know that venue. Yeah, I I forget when it shut down, but they played there. Um, for their self-titled album, and that was before I really got into their stuff, yeah. and um, that was a whole like black and white era. Yeah, yeah black and white. Everything era. was like kind of backlit, and yeah. uh, that was that was probably the turning point in terms of me realizing what live music could do, right? And the theatrics and the kind of story of it I'd never really seen before, right? And uh, I came away from that, and I was like, I don't know what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the feeling that I have right now, that's, I want other people to feel that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that was probably the starting point of me really falling in love with um, live music, I think. And uh, so I credit it to that show. So that's, those are the two, two best shows, I think. Just to sort of piggyback on that, let's mm -hmm. talk about like your, like little, like little brief beginnings on you. You're from Burlington. 
mm-hmm. Ontario. Is that is that is that a correct term for it? Because sometimes people say like Burlington, Oakville, but you're Burlington, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Technically, I'm in Burlington, uh, right on the border. But yeah. um, for those of you not from this area, that's just outside Toronto, yeah. the Greater Toronto area. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've been living there for a long time, and I went to school down here in Toronto though for uh, creative industries at. Um, Toronto Metropolitan University, which used to be Ryerson. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I've been kind of in the Toronto area for for a while. Yeah. yeah. Here with the podcast, we, we often think about the, the phrase that was said by Erica Badu, which is um, music and music business are two different things. Mm. And um, that's right. coming from an artist perspective. And it's, it's to just to connect back to what you were just saying, um, now in the world, in, in 2023, we need to, um, it, it's hard to just create to create now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of barriers now for artists. There's a lot of, um, it's always a question of about paying the rent, especially yeah. like here in Toronto and just like sort of living from your art. Um, right, right. as a, as a, as an artist myself, you know, it's, it's sort of hard to think about that like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important to think about. Um, how to navigate the industry today um, yeah. and sort of what this podcast is about. Um, yeah. So I just want to ask you what you thought about that quote, music and music business right. uh, are two different yeah. things. Um, mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's funny. I think fundamentally it's correct, right? And that they are, they are, the business and the expression of creativity are have two fundamentally different goals, right? The creative expression is like, I'm trying to capture a feeling and express a feeling or express a story or something that's important, um, which is a very emotional process, right, for a lot of creatives. And the business side is like, how is this sustainable? How is this mm-hmm. making money? What's the bottom line? What impact is this having? And... Um, so they really can, if they're not synced up, they can talk past each other yeah, super yeah. easily. So they're different. But at the same time, I think what you're saying about, like in today's day and age, um, I think prob- probably forever, but it's unique in this time and era because um, they inform each other so much. Like you were saying, it's so hard to, um, when it's so easy to make and distribute and reach people now online, it's like, how do you, how do you make money? <laughs> you yeah, I mean? yeah. I think, I think so. to me, I think about it's, it's, it's hard to have one without the other mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that we'll talk about in every, every week in this podcast, but just the interaction between business and sort of growing as an artist and just yeah. how to do that, but also just still taking care of yourself, taking care of your art and just being creative in, in that way. Yeah. Um, and it does really like, I think particularly music and, um, a lot of the arts where you can start independently. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, it's, it's hard to make a film without other people. <laughs> you know what I mean, but you can like make a record on your own if you wanted to, or painting or a poet, like take you know, as a photographer. Yeah. Um, it, it's very, it, and there's nothing wrong with it also being a hobby, right. Yeah. And creative expression for the sake of creative expression. But I think we're finding it's like that echelon of like, okay, well, how do I do it as a job now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a fundamentally different question because it's 
especially in music, like especially in music, at, like the mechanical um, income that music used to be based on in terms of like record sales, CD sales, yes, um, live shows that went out during the pandemic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, merchandise, and just like even like recording, like you need to go into a studio. So, like as a producer, you're like. There's a, you're a bit of a gatekeeper to like making music because like people have to come into a studio because you have all the gear. Where now it's like, I can get the gear on my laptop. Yes. I can um, blow up on TikTok. I don't need to maybe reaching fans isn't um, rec- like it, uh, you don't have to go play shows to reach fans now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We can we can definitely. I feel like we should get into like the difference between those things. But yes. it's then like, well, then how do you make the money then after that? So I, I'm kind of circling a bit, but no, no, it's it's fine. I, I think it's 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 important now because you can't go to the bar and play a set, yeah, three times a week or whatever, and pay your rent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, where 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 are we going from there? Um, and I don't know. It's just a question I like to ask because it's sort of mm-hmm. gets the mind going. Um, ask asking question. yourself. Just a couple different questions about, you know, what the difference is and what the intersectionality of it is. Because music as an art form is so unique. Everybody loves music. Mm -hmm. And then, but music business as a term sort of shuts people off. So it just, it's like, where, where is the intersection? And, and I think in 2023, the the lines are being blurred. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I I think as an artist too, like, um, I've talked with so many creatives who it's like the business side just sucks the life out of them. It's like, yeah. because they're like, this isn't what I'm passionate about. Right. And so when you're a pure creative, you know, um, and I've experienced moments of this too. Like all of us have, I think where you're just like, um, it's about the expression, right. And it can feel really restricting to think about money and about being entrepreneurial about it. And, yeah. um, but it's like, it is so necessary nowadays um to be that way and so i think it's like i love exploring and talking about like how do you bring the like uh make it easier to like talk about and like do and like kind of uh de i don't know yeah. the right, like destigmatize, de-stigmatize being like, yeah. being, like yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. business stuff right yeah. and uh and make it easier and like yeah. um and also like uh, just the language of being able to communicate with people. So you don't have to be the business person, but no. like being able to talk with them and ask for what you need and know your vision and you're like, yeah, it's yeah, super yeah. important. And there's more programs like the creative industries at TMU that are teaching yeah. people. So there's a lot of younger people coming into the business. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great. Um, yeah. It's a huge change. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe just like one plug I'll put is a book that I think we both love. That's kind of uh, creativity Inc. Yes, I think this oh was, that, that book like really unlocked for me a lot to do with like the whole like creative process with the business process. And, like Ed Catmull, I feel is just like a friggin' pro at like Our balancing those things. Boy, Ed Catmull. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I'm gonna meet him one day. Yeah. yeah. Show him this clip. For those who don't know, Ed Catmull wrote this book called Creativity Inc. And it's on the beginnings of Pixar. Um, yeah. And it's it's pretty wild. Just the process. Um, yeah. Fantastic of, book. Yeah. Just the process of creating Pixar and also the process of like managing it in a creative mm. way. Collaborating. It's collaborating mm. within the office. So really interesting book. Ed Catmull, Creativity Inc. Put the link Pick in there. <laughs> it up. It's going to be in the YouTube description. Let's go. Hey. All right.
but yeah so what what i would like to know is mm-hmm. after and and we we're going into our first topic here which is how like to go from studio to stage yeah and um the anatomy of a live show and yeah. specifically in this in this case it's it's really from charlotte's like bedroom producing mm-hmm. um to 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 the stage really in this in this case mm-hmm. um which we're seeing a lot more of in 2023 yeah um so let's let's talk about that let's talk about the importance of listening and absorbing the music as well yeah so just learning the music what 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 did you learn about that just the first the first kind of steps to learning the set yeah that's a great question i think and like you said i think that was the first time we both worked with an artist where that was there like charlotte's process was you know recording a lot from home releasing it and then now build the live show around it and um like you said i think a lot of artists that's becoming the norm i think we were experiencing that more and more as we work with them yeah even like before the pandemic it was rare that I would accompany an artist that hadn't played live before. Right. Yeah. And even much less had a following online, but hadn't played live before. Yeah. Which is a huge thing. That's probably going to be a, a, a main topic of, of a lot of these episodes as well. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of the fact that people can play the Phoenix as, as their first show in front of 1300 people. Yeah. Um, it's sort of wild. I know. Like, well, the online world, it will just like, obviously it just changed everything, you know, it changed everything. And, yeah, yeah. and, um, but yeah, like when we came in, so I guess that first process I had, I'd played for artists before we both played with artists before. Um, kind of when I came in, um, Julian was like, like, do you play keys? Do you sing? Like, what, like, what do you do? Mm. And I was like, uh, yeah, like I, I I'll do whatever. You know what I mean? I was just like, yeah. I'll do whatever. Not saying I said I couldn't say, yeah. but I was like, I'll do whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and a yes uh, person really at that point yeah, yeah 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 and that was i think um i think it was important i think it um for both of us we basically had stepped into a role where it was like here's someone who didn't have backing tracks before who hadn't played a live show before um and trying to translate pop music now to a live show was always a bit tricky yeah um and it was kind of just us i mean like yeah yeah I mean, julian oh, yeah. was there he's a bit remote though um i think he came in for a rehearsal but um, it, we really got the keys and the freedom to basically help her yeah. produce her live show from scratch. Yeah. We got the keys to the kingdom. And I think that's yeah. like really something that I'm thankful for. Even just yeah. looking back is like the, the freedom to do and the flexibility as well to sort of, and trust. Yeah. And um, I think as well coming to do from that like, set. Yeah. Yeah. I think it came to, it's like we knew it came from people first. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I'm really thankful that we got brought in not only as like musicians, but just as friends and as like mutual connections. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but the way that started was we, um, like what you said about listening. And I guess that's probably one of the biggest things to highlight in this topic is like, you know, our jobs, me and you is not just to play, but it's to also help guide the artist's vision for what they want their live show to feel like and be. Mm-hmm. And um I mean the listening is just like so important on so many fronts. Like Yeah, like I, when it's, we get, it's a massive topic. Um, yeah. I think I think where it's important here to highlight is that we're just two musicians mm-hmm. and a playback track. So yeah. let's 
maybe maybe I ask you about being a guitarist specifically. We right. actually haven't even talked about that yet. Yes. So Nate is a guitarist, yeah. bass player, keyboard player, uh, harmonica player, <laughs> kazoo player, plays the harp. Recorder. Yeah, record, big recorder guy. Yeah. 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 Found that out recently. You yeah. don't know. You don't want to know why. Grade four or um, five Ontario education curriculum. <laughs> there you go. Big recorder. Yeah, yeah. big, 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 recorder big supporter focus. of yeah. the recorder. Three blind mice. There you go. <laughs> Massive trash. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe we talk about just as a guitarist as well, just mm-hmm. like lifting those parts yeah. and maybe where you're inserting yourself. And I think it comes back to, to the importance of listening and absorbing the music as well. Yeah. Um, and maybe even live arranging. Mm-hmm. Um, just some, maybe, we, you know, some th- maybe th- two or three points about being a guitarist and what your role is when you listen to a song, a new song for the first time and what you're listening to yeah, how you're listening to it and how you insert yourself in that music. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, it's a huge, um, it's a huge element of what we do. And um, yeah, for context, like you know, basically what Matt and I do is we come in as backing musicians and musical directors for usually independent artists. You do drums, playback, and I usually play whatever other instruments. <laughs> usually, well. Between bass, keys, and guitar, I'll I'll do a mix of those, yeah. um, and um, yeah. In terms of like the role from a musical standpoint, and like as a musician, um, for any of the artists we work with, the first thing I do is it's like we get the songs, and I'll just listen to them, and yeah. absorb it, and first and foremost, first and foremost, foremost, as a I think from an MD side of things, it's listening to what is what's the song about. What's trying to capture? Like, what's it trying to capture? What's the energy mm. of it? Um, and starting to envision, like, okay, what's this going to sound like live? What is going to feel like live? Could you start like starting with kind of the bigger picture things in terms of like live instruments or more backing track heavy, and kind of like what's the balance of those? Like, how heavily do you need to lean into one or the other? Yeah. And then from there, I'll start to listen to specific instrumentation. Yeah. And I think the key thing. Um, let's say especially with our pop acts like Elio and Mimica and Jade, Nico, mm-hmm. um, is like I'll go through from my side at least and be like, okay, what what's the audience going to expect to hear? Is there anything here that really stands out that is like if that's not played on stage, it's a little weird. You know what I mean, like if there's like yeah, yeah. a guitar part, then it's like, okay. And it's like pretty prominent yeah, and yeah. like a lick or whatever it might be. Um, or if the song has like a, a live bass that it's like pretty prominent, like mm. by Elio, like Elio IRL. Yeah. Or um Hurts to J- Hate. Hurts to Hate or yeah. like Jade has that track. Was it worth it? Yeah. I think that's one I play bass on. Um or a keys part or whatever. Synth part, yeah, synth yeah, line. Yeah. And I'll just like kind of pick out like what what's it being like what's gonna be expected mm-hmm. to be heard. Um memorable then, parts that yeah. audiences would sometimes even feel like they need to sing along to. Yeah. Or like right, a solo. Right. Like if there's a solo in a song, most of the time we're going to be like, okay, Nate's Nate's going to take the solo. We're going to try mm-hmm. to recreate the patch yeah. as close as possible. And we're going to go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that, even deciding some of the instruments that are important to the song first yeah. sort of eliminates choices throughout the song as well. Because if there's a solo, a guitar solo, let's say, well, it'll inform us that 
you're probably going to be playing guitar in other parts of the song. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, in your case, as a guitarist, maybe you can speak more to this, you have some some freedoms there yeah. um, to play some keys, and that's what you, you sometimes you do that. You, you're, you're playing keys in, let's say, the verses, for instance, uh, and then going to the car- guitar for the chorus. I think about Charger, yep. for instance, yeah. um, a song. Again, shout out, Elio. Um, huge track. Huge track. Yeah. Um, yeah no it's a it's a great point um yeah it's like i think this would be for any musicians coming up being like okay i want to support or i want to play for other artists or kind of get into the live ranging side of things mm-hmm. it's like start with the obvious yeah you know and it's like you know keep it keep it simple in terms of starting with the obvious mm-hmm. and then from there i'll go through and be like okay now what like do i need to um is there another is there a second kind of level of um important instruments that i can tap into whether it's like a pad or something that's like um uh like what parts of the song need to be filled in from there because it's like if the guitar is already in the track the whole time then i'll just learn that part yeah but if it's like oh there's only a solo at the end or something that's like what's going on the rest of the song Mm -hmm. different parts and um and then it's kind of up to okay is there something i can pick out to play and recreate or do i have to make up something Yes. And that off that often is sometimes the case where um and I think that that I think we talk about it, we're going to talk about this a little bit later but um the creative freedom but also the responsibility to do the song justice still if you're adding something new to it live mm-hmm. um because I think that's really important too about what we do is in terms of we're talking about the anatomy of a live show to you also want the show to be unique See what's important in the song. Mm-hmm. Pick out what you can play and otherwise see how you can support the song. Yeah. I think the simplicity is a very big uh, word that we often use. How yeah. can we make it more simple but more effective? Yeah. And I think just the clarity of the message and the communication between the audience is there. Um, when it's effective, simple, and they can remember the part as well. Um, yeah. I think it'd be a, a term that I also want to bring up is just like what the goal of the artist is. Yeah. I think we're going to talk about it just in a, in a, in a sec, but it depends if they want to recreate the song um, note per note yeah. or if they want to give a different experience. Um, yeah. I often think about, you know, some of, of the artists that we work with is that like a lot of the drums maybe on the record are electronic. Mm-hmm. 808s you know did just different samples and stuff um but how do i come in there and recreate that drum part or how do yeah. i add live drums to it um so it becomes a question a question of efficiency clarity mm-hmm. simplicity um and and ease of understanding as well because we often talk like in, in the drum world we often talk about like chops versus groove or like chops versus fundamental um, and you don't want to chop it up, you know, every song, um, so that the, the audience can't really understand what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Cause at the end of the day, and I think we didn't talk about this in our pre interview, um, but it really is about serving the artist. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause where we're coming from as just as session musicians, it really is about the artist. At yeah. The end of the day. Yeah. And like, I know there's still more we can talk about in this section, but I know, I, we wanted to get to this idea of like serving. Yeah. It's like you're serving the artist's vision ultimately. 
Yeah. And I know that that brings up for some people, they feel like, well, then you're giving up some of your creative freedom and you're just kind of showing up and playing a part. And that's not always necessarily true. It's like, when you get in with an artist, it's like you have to serve their vision. It's like, yeah. what's their vision? What are they trying to execute? Yes. And if they don't know, because that's sometimes the case too, it's like helping them get there mm-hmm. and be like, that's where you can kind of step in with maybe some ideas or maybe some questions or whatever. Or they sometimes they're just like, they want the influence of kind of the music, musicians that are playing with them to kind of influence the live sound. It's like, that's super great. And I'm always grateful when they want that. Um, but it, I'm uh, smiling right now because we brought up in our pre, pre, pre-interview that there are some artists live that are so affected in a good way by their session players that they have mm-hmm. on stage with them. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Some, some of the examples that come to mind right away is – you know, an Isaiah Sharkey, Steve Jordan, right, right, right. Pino Palladino with our great friend John Mayer. We I yeah, say yeah. I say our great friend John Mayer, but he's like oh, one of our biggest idols from a musician's musician's point of view. Yeah, yeah. Um mm-hmm. now there's a common myth. <laughs> there's a common that? that's the law and order sound. Hey. Um, there's a common myth. Um, <laughs> that that playing for other artists means that you don't have creative freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now you have a short story about Avril Lavigne's bass player. Oh yeah. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. This is like I feel like the more I've been playing for other artists, you know, I mean, like I haven't spent a lot of time um, in my own projects. I mean, I've been in like one band band where we've played like our own original stuff and shout out mountain farewell oh my goodness yeah <laughs> don't go look it up there's <laughs> pictures of us with funny haircuts and stuff. um yeah so i but most of the time beyond that it's been playing for other artists or at like churches and stuff mm-hmm. um which is the similar uh, to be honest it's got a really similar uh structure to it and vibe to it in terms of like usually playing to tracks to a click and um it's not about showing off, right? And I think that that is a big one in terms of this, in terms of like what is the role of a musician? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a bit of a big myth where it's like, oh, if you're not playing your own stuff, then you don't, you're kind of sacrificing your creativity. Yeah. And to a degree, I agree with that, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like you are serving someone else's vision. But that doesn't mean that you don't have any creative uh, fingerprint to offer, right? And um, I think especially for younger musicians coming up is like there's still a lot that you can bring to the table in uh, as a session musician. And um, I've found more often than not artists do, I think at least the artists we've gotten to work with are very open to collaboration, open to ideas, yes. and not everybody. So that's what – so. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know how Levine's bass player, but I was doing some research on. Uh, I was running my Helix, and um, which is a effects unit for the guitar, a modeler, and uh, I was just trying to look up like people who use them for patches and who like what other musicians are using them on tours and stuff, and right. just do a bit of research. And I saw there's a Reddit thread where um, I, I forget his name. I have to go look it up, but um, he played bass on one of Avril Levine's like recent tours in the last couple of years, and he was running a Helix for his bass. Mm. Um, and 
it was just kind of like a and a thread. Right. But um, he pointed out on it, he was like, we recreated every patch from her songs, like, to a T. Like, we EQ'd them as close as we could get to the original stems. I sat down with the musical director, and, like, yeah, they just dialed it in exactly as the record and played the parts exactly as the record and toured with basses that would replicate that sound. Right. And um, I think that that's an example of that. Um, it's like depending on what the artist needs, mm-hmm. what your client needs, what their vision is, then it's like, yeah, sometimes you're going to need to do that. Yes. And sometimes it's very important to do that, especially when you get up to that scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And actually there's a lot of fun sometimes in dialing things in that specifically. Yes. Um, but in terms of the creative freedom element, that's not everybody. Um, and that's not every artist for sure. And, um, I think from our own experience, there's a lot of times when we step in and it's like, I kind of got to write a part for this section or they didn't write it for this instrumentation or they didn't even write it for live. Like you weren't thinking of playing it live at the time. So they're like, how do we translate this? It's like, well, um, you know, maybe we add a guitar part here, maybe in a couple of values tunes, it's like, let's add a synth part here because then I can play something live because there isn't really something to fill in. Right. So in those moments are where you get to kind of bring your creative, um, you know, you got to, you get Expression, to, yeah, you get to show individuality, up in Individuality. Individuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you get to bring yourself in that and step up to the plate and be like, all right, like, let's get some ideas out. Let's, mm-hmm. let's come up with some stuff. And, um, and I think as well about, um, the value of that fingerprint, like we talked earlier about some of John Mayer's musicians, right? It's like they bring such a unique flavor to the sound. Yes. Right? And you think of like a guy like Steve Jordan, you mentioned like Isaiah Sharkey too. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, um, like a guy like Matthias Asato. You know what right. I mean? It's like he comes in and it's like sometimes they're literally hiring people because they sound like them. You know what right. I mean? So they've got a sound. Like, hey, I want to add that flavor to the live set. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's actually a lot of value in having a fingerprint and having your own creative expression. and mm-hmm. um, Having your own sound. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Jordan specifically is a great example of this because he, you know when Steve Jordan is playing the drums. You know when you can, you can Im- immediately identify that it's him that's playing. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. live. There's a lot of drummers specifically, um, and obviously sort of biased to that, but like Chris Dave mm. um, as a drummer is, is definitely like a drummer that, that has his, ha- has his signature sound and the signature way that he plays the drums that we, we recognize how he plays and how he sounds um, right away. Like yeah. in the first like bar, we know it's, you know, we know it's Steve Jordan. We know it's Chris Dave. We know it's, Aaron Sterling, we know it's, um, you know, it can be anybody. A couple thoughts on this. Like, I think there's a difference between finding your your sound and finding yourself, um, like, what your authentic form of your expression is versus I think that it's really easy in today's day and age to try to find a thing because it's easy to market. Right. And that's a very different thing, you know, in terms right. of, like, I'm going to be the guy with that haircut on tiktok right right i'm gonna be the guy that does this cover you know and there's nothing wrong with that i just want to distinguish that i think that those are different things because one is a to me this is maybe a hot take i don't know if there's a button hey um um, like the bra or maybe like a yeah this may be a hot take 
but um, <laughs> tough. Um, when I've heard guys talk about like finding your sound, like Corey Wong talks about this on his podcast a lot, I think. And uh, I, I'm 26. Yeah. You know, I haven't been playing for very long compared to many people. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what my sound is like, what my, what is, what does Nate sound like on guitar? It's yeah. like right now it's still pretty crude. It's like, it's like a, a bit of Matei Sato, a bit of John Mayer, a little bit of like, I went through like an intervals metal phase. I went, you know, it's like, I'm just like, I'm still, oh, yeah. t- still a bit, um, uh, how do you, I don't know what that word is. Um, it hasn't consolidated. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't yeah. Really consolidated. It's still a little bit, um, janky. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's all yeah. the place. And, um, I think that when it's like, I don't think people should focus too, too much on being like, what's my thing. Yeah. I think it's like go down rabbit holes and just keep doing that yes. and like replicating and adopting sound and like, and going deep on being like, what I would do with John Mayer stuff is like, I'm trying to sound exactly like John Mayer. That's not going to be my end place, right. but it's like by doing that, I'm incorporating the elements as I go along, like picking up pieces as I go yeah. and then do that with intervals, you know, like um, Aaron Marshall, then do it with like, Schofield, you mean take a couple and like just try to jump around and like lift things to take with you along the way. It's kind of like along your journey, yeah, yeah. And that, and then you find mm-hmm. the more you start to express yourself and like write parts and play parts and improvise and stuff, it's like yeah. those things start to kind of come out, but then they start to kind of merge together, and then you find that. And there's like there's that, yeah. And then I think there's another layer of it as a, as a session musician that's being able to do the thing whatever that thing is. So it's like, okay, I might show up to a gig and they're like, oh, I want this to be like, I don't have this right. But it's like, do the like Matea Sasato thing. Right. You know? Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. sometimes there's a, like, or a jazz thing or a yeah, yeah. rock thing. And so it's like being able to mold, like know those parts. It's like, that's what sets apart the like great musicians from the like, Mm-hmm. I'm on everybody's record musician. You know, when I yeah, look yeah, at the yeah. guys, like, yeah, yeah. um, uh, oh, who's the drummer? Um, Ash, Ash, Ash Sohn. Sohn. It's like, look at that. I'm like, that guy. King. Yeah. King. It's like, when I look at guys like that, where I'm like, or from a guitar standpoint, like Mark Letary. Yeah. I'm like he can do anything. Yeah. I mean, he has his thing and his yeah. passions, but it's like, he can show up to a rock gig. He can show up to a jazz gig. He can show up to a funk gig, mm-hmm. a hip hop. It's like, and he can fit it. So there is a lot of value, I think, in doing the deep dives. Yeah. And um, I don't think it's necessary to get too caught up and be like, I have to find my thing or I'm yes. not going to be found out if I don't have a thing. And yes. it's ultimately about the song. Yeah. It's not about impressing people. And it's like you kind of have to check your ego at the door. And I think that's true of a lot of art forms is like you're serving a greater thing. Mm. Um, and it's not about being busy. It's not about writing the coolest solo. It's about writing the right solo. It's about playing the right part for that song. And so I think that's a huge mindfulness thing as a musician to be like listening to the other musicians playing, listening to the song and um, not getting too focused on you and what you're trying to do. Um, and it's, it takes discipline and it's like, I'm not perfect at it either. It'll, you know, I'm still learning what that means. And but the more you do it, the more, the more you do it and like listen back to yourself and watch recordings or something, ah, like that didn't fit or, you know, so that's yeah, a great yeah. way to learn. Um, being aware, being aware, being aware of, 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 of yeah. that too. hundred percent. Yeah. 
And um, I, yeah, I think that was something Sean Hurley, he's a base, a session base player, talked about on the Corey Wong podcast. I think he's talking about it there. This idea of like, yeah, I think it was them. Um, but just yeah, it's about the, it's about the part, it's about the artist, it's about the song, and yeah. um, it's not about impressing people. And a lot of times, simpler is better. And actually, simpler is more impressive and more emotive than um, trying to impress people. Yeah. So this next topic. Um, do's and don'ts of touring. Yeah. Which is a big topic in today's discussion because uh, it's important. A lot of people are asking, are asking themselves, okay, what do I bring on tour? How do I, how do I get the tour? Um, where do I go on tour? What does it mean to tour? Like, what, what does is, it even what mean? Is like, touring? What, it feels so mysterious sometimes. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh, it's so cool. You're showing up and just playing a ton of shows. But it's like, what about the other 22 hours of the day? That's you know right, I mean? that's right. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly, yeah. Yeah. What are you doing the rest of the time that you're not showing us on Instagram? Right, right, right. You are, <laughs> oh my gosh, you are sleeping. Yeah. Trying to find somewhere to eat half the time. Yes. Especially in a country that doesn't, like, English isn't first language. Oh my gosh. Trying to find somewhere to eat. Yes. Something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even before you hit the road practicing makes just just making it so second nature as a as a do before touring yeah. um what what are your thoughts on that yeah yeah it's integral it's like um practice oh, what's that saying it's like practice doesn't make perfect it makes permanent or something like that yeah 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 and it's like whatever you practice is what's going to stick with you yes and um so if you practice mistakes then you're going to replicate those mistakes you know what I mean and um but I think especially when it comes to touring and live shows um not just not just touring but just live shows in general is like yeah. you don't want to be thinking about <laughs> about whether or not you're playing the right part and trying yeah. to memorize like remember if you're playing the right part on stage mm-hmm. it's like you know there it's not gonna be perfect like I've definitely had gigs where I'm like not as prepared as I would like to be but I that's not the ideal like the gigs I felt most comfortable on, I'm sure you feel the same, are the ones that I practiced a bunch leading up to, and listened to it a bunch leading up to it. Because yeah. when you get on stage, um, there's so many other things to think about, mm-hmm. right? And especially in our position where we're doing, we're wearing multiple hats, right? Yeah. Like when you're a musician and, or especially like, let's say you're a musical director. In our case, we're doing that plus kind of production managing and making sure the tech is all running smoothly too. So it's like our minds are in like so many other places where on, where on, like when we're on stage, I'm like, is like Charlotte's in your monitor battery changed (laughs) is like, are they going to trip trip over cables? Like is the playback taped Mm -hmm. down? Is it set up? You know, um, all those things like, and ideally you, you're prepared enough for all those things. You're not thinking about that as much too, but then there's also just the movement and performance. It's like, ideally you're just focusing on performing. Right. Yeah. And like interacting with the crowd or looking up or looking at the other musicians. Right. And, me stopping to double like oh am I playing the right chord here or yeah, yeah, yeah. is like gets in the way of those things so um you know it's so integral to yeah. just practice the crap out of those yeah so that it's second nature mm-hmm. and um you're just playing on autopilot a little bit now if there's room for improv like obviously depending on the gig like if you're in a bit more of a jazz setting it's like or a bit of a free structure like time in the set mm-hmm. it's like there's room for improv and there's room for kind of feel or 
switching things up a little bit, but that only comes when you're comfortable with everything else. It's like start with the fundamentals and the same with when you're prepping the songs, it's like learn the song and then add the stuff later. But yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. show up what's to the, the fundamental. Yeah. What is the thing that important? What, yeah. What's important? What's that thing that matters? Yeah. Show um, up to the rehearsal knowing the song. Yeah. And then from there you can play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Second point we have here is eat when you can, sleep when you can. Um, and yeah. We have a little story about that as well. Um, Post San Fran. Um, Rip. Yeah, so we were on we tour. Have a rip sound on the board. Yeah, uh, we have well, we have that Bruh. that bra yeah. sound. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, um, we were on tour with Elio, um, and we were doing a San Fran show, and um, I think we ended the gig. I think we were all packed up at like one yeah. uh, a.m. and um, our hotel was three hours away. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we. I to, it was like two. It was like two and a half. I think we got in at like three thirty. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was like a, a whole a whole drive. Um, yeah. But the night before, the the night before, we had driven from LA to San Fran's and you know, and hung out after and stuff. So basically, the, our do here is eat when you can, sleep when you can, because you don't know when you're gonna be asked more than what's on that schedule that day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I think if you plan ahead enough, it's like it's not gonna be a life or death situation in terms of like. We can't find food. The one night it was tough to find something that wasn't McDonald's. You know, yes, and you're like, yeah. however long into tour, and it's like I just cannot eat another burger yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's like I don't want more fast food. Yeah. Um, so those situations where like it gets a bit tough, and I think the more you can plan ahead and know the routing and having more of the like tour manager TM cap on. Yeah, yeah. And we would try to do that a lot. Is like think ahead to be like, okay, what, how, where are we passing through? Where can we stop for food? Where you know? Yeah, yeah. And trading off the. Uh, sleeping and stuff. I read um, Nicholas Vina. I think it's Vina Glow is how you say his name. I might be okay. pronouncing that wrong, but he's a session guitarist out of LA, and he wrote this ebook on like the music, the touring musician's handbook. I think it's called. Um, it's a great little read, but he kind of goes over some of this of uh, idea of like, um, it is gonna be tolling on your body, yeah, right, and you're playing weird hours. Sometimes we're loading out at like two a.m., mm-hmm. and our bodies are like sore and we're tired right? yes yeah and um but in all that it's important to take care of everybody and eat healthy and eat when you can you know it's like um don't don't if you can like try to skip meals try to eat breakfast like eat healthy options when they're available um get your hours get in your sleep. sleep yeah and i think that that's what i'm really grateful for mm-hmm. like when me you and uh elio like the th- like it was just the three of us on one run like all three of us were like not party people yeah yeah exactly. and i was so grateful for that because <laughs> it's like we're all like let's just get salad and go to bed you know it's yeah, like yeah. and i was like so thankful for that but it's like obviously there's room for fun like you so you want to have fun and like yeah, you yeah. are doing cool stuff together but totally. um that's a huge do of tours like take care of yourself take care and, of yourself yeah just to cap on that san francisco story um the only thing on Google Maps at, at that at that hour was either McDonald's, I think Jack in the Box, Jack in the Box and yeah. was, it, was there like oh, a Taco Bell? Or Taco something? Bell, yeah, one of those like classic U.S. Yeah. kind of restaurants. And we were just like, absolutely not, absolutely not. <laughs> but we needed gas. That was that was a thing. So we needed gas, and we needed to go use the washroom. So we pulled up to this gas station that had a washroom. Cleanest washroom I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that it was, was weird. That was weird. <laughs> I'm talking like, <laughs> okay. It, it's 
Fox Mulder action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was weird. Scully. It, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a weird I washroom. A lot of that show. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, but yeah, yeah, bro. We, it was the weirdest washroom I've I think I've ever been into. It's it smelled like a pool. Yeah, yeah. It was like chlorine. Chlorine, and it I was, was like clean. you killed somebody in here. Yeah, yeah. And cleaned <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like yeah. Northern California. It was vibes. raining. Yeah, it was, it was raining. Two in the morning, <laughs> yeah, yeah, two. and you know we stopped for food. So. We pull over, and down the road from this gas station is a 24-hour grocery store with a whole, like, um, deli section. Yes! I've never <laughs> devoured, like, a turkey sandwich. Hey. Yeah. Like, oh, my god! It was like, so we good. We were so hungry, and yeah. it was, like, healthy food, you know? Like, sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Like, we had so many sandwiches. Yeah. Like, sandwiches, sandwiches are... Yeah, that's another do of the road. Yes. <laughs> that's another do of the road. Eat your sandwiches and yeah. love your sandwiches. Yeah. Um, but also, it goes to show it's like um, bad things can happen unexpectedly, but so can good things. Yeah. There's a lot of good unexpected things that can happen. Yeah. Too, so um, be prepared our, for both. Our last do yep. for now, for now, is just to have fun and be professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would speaks to what you were talking uh, briefly um, on earlier, which you like jazz. <laughs> you like jazz. That was, that was, that was an accident. You see uh, one where it's like the like you like jazz, and they just keep scaling it, and it's like they duplicate it each time. Have you seen that? No. 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 And it's like gets out like. It's like you like jazz, and that takes a clip and duplicates it and duplicates again until <laughs> oh, so it's like over until it's like one thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I mean, they can cut that. But oh my god, no, I think it's pretty old. We will but um, that's one of my favorite videos, man. <laughs> one of your favorite videos. Um, the last one, having fun, be a pro. Um, being professional on tour and being professional just in all situations in yeah. the music industry, I think is is the most key thing that we can that we can give a tip on. Um, yeah, be professional. Don't be annoying. Uh, yeah. Is a big thing. What does that mean, though? Like, what do you think that means? I think it's it means a lot of things. I think it means being on time, um, uh, communicating well, uh, learn how to email. Um, that's a big one. Yeah, um, I want to ask you about that. Yeah, is that weird for me to flip and ask you a question about the no, emailing please, thing? Please, yeah, yeah. What do you think about the emailing thing? Because that was something I had to get used to. Is like, <laughs> it's different. Like when they say professional etiquette yeah it's like it's not banking you know, you're not working at a bank yeah so like what, yeah. what do you think about yeah that? you're not you're not being like uh sincerely and always yours yeah Nate day like when, what, you, when you sign off on on the on the on the music business email that's right, you know? that's right. Like, what, like what is professional etiquette and i think it's like i think professional etiquette especially if we're only talking about emailing and communication here is just like spell checking <laughs> yeah yeah full sentences paragraph dividing yeah like doing all that stuff is like so it's just funny to think about but it's so key especially when you're talking to um management um superiors in the music industry um people that are hiring you i think that's like the key the key thing yeah you want to um, be respectful yeah being respectful and i think to what you were saying earlier as well um to try to keep the gig i think right now yeah. we're seeing a lot of people like getting the gig and that's a hurdle by itself. Like that's it's some of the big, so one of the biggest hurdles in the music industry is getting the gig. But to be honest, keeping the gig, keeping is, the gig yeah. is also really hard. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's building trust um, with um, the artists that you're playing for, the people that surround them as well. Because at the end of the day, 
Um, yes, we work with a lot of independent artists, but we also work with a lot of artists that are represented. Yeah, and yeah, it's a relationship, and, right? Hundred um, percent. And like the, it's so funny because I think um, a lot of pressure. Like when I was in school, I was like, oh my goodness, like to get an internship, everything has to be worded super professionally. It's like, and it does. And there's a yeah, certain yeah. like you want to come across professionally, but it's also so conversational. And actually being too professional, I think, in a creative environment actually s- still feels weird. Yeah. It's like people want to be conversational. They want to be talking to people who are normal. I think it goes back to like, who are you on tour? Right? Yes. It's like, it's about knowing people. your people. It's about the people first, yeah. right? It's yeah, like people first. And I think that's mm-hmm. a huge thing about creativity and creative projects in general. It's like, it's people first because it has to feel safe. Yes. In a safe environment in order to be creative. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't be creative if you don't feel safe and you can't feel safe unless you feel safe with the people around you. Yes. So it's like, don't be so stale in your communication that mm-hmm. you're not humanizing it. Yes. Right. Being a human. Yeah. Being an, an individual, not being a robot. Yeah. Being timely. Timely. Too, reliable. Super important. Um, but I think there's a bit of room for grace in the creative sector in terms of the type of communication that goes on. Cause it's like, first and foremost, I want to have a good relationship with you. Yeah. Right. Now, if it's peer to peer, it's a little different. Like you said, I think when there's like a bit of a, when you're talking up the hierarchy a bit, yeah, um, there's a bit of extra layer of respect, and, and yeah. even if they're not using it with you, I heard this. Um, this is a great piece of advice I got from a producer in New York. He mentioned one time, uh, he was like, "I'm not super professional," and sometimes I think it was something like, you know, sometimes I'm writing back quick or like I'm busy, I'm on the go, I got so many things going on. But he's like, if you're asking for an internship or something, it's like. I still want you to like be like, just because I'm on the go doesn't mean that you as an intern like should be writing back. To, like, it was coming from a really nice place. It wasn't coming from like a place of him being like critical or anything like that. Yeah. It was just like, um, this is a, the creative industries are still a place where, um, there's a, you know, like when I'm working on a film set and I was working on, in TV, it's like, there's a hierarchy. You have to respect the creative decision-making and respect the management and respect who's making the calls and the money. Yeah. And as someone who's being hired, it's like, I'm expected to be professional. Right. And, you know, I get there, there's a bit more leeway maybe mm-hmm. when you are in the higher up decision or when you're higher up on the chain, food chain, because you're probably really busy and on the go and have so many things going on that it's like, yes, you know, yeah, effective communication. Yeah, and in terms important. of yeah, and in terms of keeping the gig, like you were saying, it's like, you know, writing the professional email back, taking the extra minute to just spell check, proofread, especially when you're talking up to the people who are paying your salary, yeah, right, and saying thank you and yeah, like following you. up with a thank you email, like all those things is yeah. like super important, and um. So just because your professor writes back, like, thanks, sent from my iPad, doesn't mean that that's how you should write to them back, I think is what I'm trying to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, uh, totally. Being, so. being aware of the situation and the lingo and the, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, you know, the temperature of your communication is, is super key. Yeah. Um, going back to just, like, being a person and being just having fun being a pro, it's also, like, yeah. getting to the gig, being friends with a sound person. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, can make, like a world yeah. of a difference. They see so many annoying people in their career. Oh my gosh. Every night. No offense, but it's like... No, no, we're all... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's yes. like when yes. you're working on mass with people, yes. statistically you're going to come across more annoying people. 
than the average person. <laughs> Especially in a live music venue. Yeah. Um, yes. Like when you're working in the service industry, let's say, it's yeah. like I'm interacting with like a thousand people a day. Statistically, I'm going to see way more annoying people than, <laughs> you know, not that there's like annoying people. People with annoying behaviors, there's still people, but like people <laughs> with annoying behaviors, right? Yes. So yeah, showing up and being nice to the sound guy. Yes. And coming prepared. Yes. And I don't know if that's where you're going to, but. No, yeah. It, it it's sort everybody. Of is, it sort of is. Everybody you interact with. You want to make their lives easier. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to don'ts. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. To not expect everything to go well. Uh, yeah. Is a big one. Um, there's something at every show. Um, you said in a pre-interview, you said, don't expect your newborn baby to sleep through the night. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we work in the live event industry. Mm-hmm. And what you're delivering to the audience is an experience, right? And it happens in the moment. Yes. And that's not a lot of creative industries have that mm-hmm. where your deliverable is, where your product is a live experience. Mm-hmm. It is like um, temporal. Is that the right word in terms of like time-based? Yeah, it's time-based and yeah. anything can happen. Anything can happen. And so then it's like in those moments you want to be, prepared to fix it ASAP. Yeah. Right. And know what is required to fix it ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it's like, I think it's just part of the job that things are going to go wrong. Yeah. Is you want to minimize as many of those things as possible, but you know, mm-hmm. you're going to show up and the venue doesn't have something you expect them to have. You're going to realize you forgot something. You're going to lose a drum key. I'm going I'm to break <laughs> a string or whatever it is. I had clutch. Hi hat clutch, yeah. God bless. Um, <laughs> it's happened three times. Yeah, no, and it's like, but it's like part of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think going in with that, I think it's a mindset thing mm-hmm. as a live performer in any live performance industries to be like, this is human. Yes, it's not gonna be perfect. Mm-hmm. We're gonna try our best, and the more mistakes you make, the more you learn. Yeah, for the next time, and um, spending time talking with people who've do it, done it a long time. Like I spent so much time on reddit and the gear page and like all these places just like looking at what people are saying to bring as backups it's like oh, i didn't think to bring a um like a multi-tool or something or a flashlight right. or like a, a flashlight, flashlight. Yeah. and i was like i didn't think to bring that and then like lo and behold yeah, yeah, yeah. dark stage someone drops something and it's like five minutes five minutes before the show yeah yeah and it's like you know so spend the time like looking looking for resources and trying to think through what can go wrong yeah. but have grace for the process too. And yes, um, don't, it's like without the baby, it's like, you just had a baby. It's not going to sleep through the night. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like going to cry. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. like, if you expect in your, in, it's like, you're going to just be fighting reality. If you tell yourself that mm-hmm. it's going to go perfectly and mm-hmm. then be upset or stressed in the moment. It's like, yeah. And at the end of know. the day, like I, people aren't, people aren't there to experience a, a, a something that's perfect if they wanted that experience yeah. they'd watch a movie you know yeah 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 um I, I i often think about this um my mom always told me shout out lynn um legend yes um shout out lynn um she always told me that her one of her favorite moments during a live set is when musicians look at each other because they made a mistake uh, um interesting yeah it's it's something that you see like that's more human in a show, right? Because mm. when you're seeing a show, um, it, it's, it feels so performative. 
feels so right, like, right. put on feels like a feels like an experience people aren't there to see the product so when you have those human connection between that that human connection between two musicians maybe maybe not somebody somebody might have not messed up but they might have just done something cool something that they haven't heard before and they look at each other they give each other a smile something like that yeah. so i always think about my mom in those cases because that was her it's always her favorite moment of oh, the show and we always talk about that moment yeah yeah after the show it's oh. always like oh like i i loved when I loved it when you didn't play that correctly, but you still played it off well and you still laughed about it. Interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's so funny because I think that there's another layer to that. Like as a performer, yeah. um, I've also heard to, um, I'm just thinking out loud now, but I guess it's really, it's like what type of mistake was made? Because I think there's a degree of mistake when it's like maybe you shouldn't acknowledge it and just keep playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, I don't really know what the threshold is, but I feel like it's like if you hit a bum note, a lot of times people, if you don't act as though you did that, a lot of people won't even notice no, you did it. You exactly. Know? That too. Yeah. And yeah. so, but it's like, if it's a huge thing um, that everyone, it's like everybody knows you had to stop the set or whatever. It's like, have humor in it. I mean, it's like they're human yeah, and it yeah. humanizes you. It, human, it makes the audience feel more connected to just be like, not make a big deal. But, and I think a big thing comes down to this idea of like, as the performers, you're directing the experience. You, know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. you are very much directing mm-hmm. the environment. And um, for people to see something go wrong and then you to, you know, have humor about it and just kind of move on and, and be gentle about it, it makes everybody feel safe and being like, oh, like, we're good. You know I mean, yeah. Where if they see you as a performer, freaking out being anxious they're gonna be like what's going on like, yeah, uh, what yeah, do yeah. i look at like yeah. is this like, part of the show like, sometimes show. that happens like, or like no, if no, you're no. angry yeah. Yeah. i mean if like you get angry as a performer it's yeah. like oh my goodness what a way to kill the vibe yeah. of the mm. whole thing and it's like maybe it was somebody's mistake it's like save it for after the show like yeah. save that conversation for later because um you're just as much as it's about you performing you're literally directing everybody's experience and yes. what you do and feel on stage they're gonna feel right yes. so um i think it's 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 hard mm. in the moment but like we've had lots of experiences of things going wrong or like ears being tough on stage or yes my guitar cuts out or i yep. whatever it might be and it's like you just gotta keep going yeah at keep the end of the day it'll be like, fine we're all fine. there to you got another show. something yeah and you know they won't they won't remember that really at the yeah. end of the day, <laughs> that fan won't remember yeah. um, that solo you missed a note in or, you know, so yeah. I think it's important to not like um, bring yourself down. Yeah. Um, for those little mistakes that can happen. I, I struggle with that so much, man. Yeah. I'm so hard. I'm just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. both of, I feel like both of us is like every yeah. time like come off a gig, I'm like, I freaking miss the like, I miss that cue or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah, we both yeah. have to be like, it's cool. Like, yeah, don't yeah, worry about whatever, it. Yeah. Rely on each other for help with that. So I think it goes into our next point, which is um, like to not ignore your body and to not ignore like mm. your mental health when you're on tour as well. Oh, wow, to yeah. recognize. Um, I guess the don't here is don't ignore your body. Mm. But the do is just do checking check-ins with yourself because at the end at the, at the end of the day you're the one that's performing your body's the one that's, that's performing and you need to be in 
good health. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think good that's like, space. yeah, that's a definitely a, a, a good thing to do. Good, um, keep in touch with people back home. Yeah. Their family, that's a big one friends, as well. Yeah. You know, partners, it's like life. It can feel like you are, I think any creative field where there's a performance element or a, you have to go away, like, Think about it in film. It's like you're on set for a really long time. It's long hours, and it's kind of that becomes your family a little bit. Yeah. Or theater can be like that too. Um, it can feel a bit like a dream world sometimes, where it's just like a bubble. Yes. And it can be fun. It's like going to camp yeah, in yeah. a way. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. But the real world is still going on. Your relationships are still going on. Yeah, yeah. And I think I struggled with this a lot coming back from the first tour feeling like it was like two weeks of like I was gone and I come back and it's like, how do I get back in the groove of things? You know what I mean? Like you just feel really out of sync a little bit and it's not bad. I think it's a bit natural, but I think it's important to be mindful of that of like, yeah, like taking the time to call people, taking the time to checking in, check in and um, checking with each other because, um, it could be a lonely, it could be a lonely road. It can road. be extremely little, like extremely lonely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very, very much so. Um, and um, super exhilarating. But um, yeah. I think you have to go into it prepared to fight some of those battles and, mm-hmm. and have people back home checking in on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and holding you accountable. And because um, our life is so multidimensional, yes. we have so many things going on in our lives that it's like when you, isolate yourself in one corner of your life um for too long um it's hard to uphold everything else and that's that's the same thing it's like it's you know that's just a life principle i think you know what i mean yeah, it's no, like exactly, i think it's every yeah. everything in life so check in with yourself check in with your body make sure everything's okay keep yeah. your late relationships stable yeah. at home you know what happens on tour does not always stay on tour no. um you know no. it, it comes it, like it yeah you know it catches up to you um and um yeah stay safe and, and everything it, it's like sounds weird to say but everything you do stems from you yeah. right so it's like if i'm exhausted and getting on stage mm-hmm. it's like i'm not gonna be able to output very well mm-hmm. because i'm not coming from a good starting place so it's like eat sleep Keep your relationships close and in check and in balance. Be professional. Be professional. Be happy. Be fun. Yeah. Be cool. Yeah. yeah. Be, and feel on top of things, organized and prepared. Yeah. yeah. And and everything else will kind of flow a lot easier from there. So. Hey, all right. So we're back. Um, this is the touring se- stories section of the podcast. Um, yeah. Let's talk about touring. Let's talk about a lot of because a lot of people ask us always about. Just like some touring stories, some touring, um, mm-hmm. just like stuff that has happened on the road. Um, we could probably start with just sort of like Elio, yeah. Type vibe. We, I mean, we've mentioned Elio so much throughout this throughout this thing, um, throughout this episode. Um, but the question here is, mm-hmm. what it's like to be an independent artist that's going out headlining. Mm. What are the realities of that? What do you, what, what do you think are the realities of 
a first headline tour. Right. Um, yeah, man. Like you, I'm trying to compare it. Like I, I like to kind of extend the principles to other industries too. Cause I think the same idea applies. It's like when you're independent, you are doing everything mm-hmm. right. When you're, if you're working on an indie film, it's like you're doing a lot on your, you're on your own. You got to wear multiple hats. You don't have the money to hire lots of crew. The same is true of music. It's like running on a slim crew and me and you are doing loadout. Mm-hmm. We're doing setup. Yeah. We're doing sound check. We're yes. setting up playback. Um, I'm doing backline. Yes. Um, we're stage managing. In terms of like where we're loading in, where we're loading out, and who's doing what. And if we're lucky enough to have a stage hand, then like, you know, one or two, if we're super lucky. Yeah. Um, telling them what to do, yeah. what order to do things in, mm-hmm. um, sound guy, right? Like yeah. um ears, making sure our ears are good. Like we're doing a lot of that stuff, just me and you. Yes. And um, so having systems to do it well and make it easier on ourselves is super important. And we have a lot of we're pretty much just plug and play now, which is great, but we still have to set it all up. But I think, yeah, like the reality of touring when you're at a smaller scale is like, yeah, you're doing everything. Yeah. You're, you're driving, you're um, doing the border crossing paperwork. Right. And um, I think that's another thing I'm really grateful for. I don't know if you feel this way, but being in a program like creative industries is getting skill sets and not just skills, but like being able to think, the way all the other people in the room are thinking. Yes. Right. And yes. like, what's the, what does the manager want? Yeah. What's their need? What's what, the border person yeah. want? Right? What is everybody's goal? What What is their yeah. role? What is the structure? What is the, the, the process in which we're all cr- like collaborating in mm-hmm. um, for, for one common goal, but what yeah. is everybody's task there? Yeah. And it's important to, to be able to think like everybody there because it gets you out of trouble. Yeah. Most yeah. Yeah. It makes everybody's life easier, the process smoother. And, yeah. and so I think you just have to be ready to do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then, you know, obviously when you get to bigger scale, then you have a lot bigger team and you can start to, um, distribute the work a lot more yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, specialize and have dedicated people for things. And it's like, that's great. Yeah, um, yeah. but there's a lot of tools right now too, that make life as an independent artist easier. And like, um, you know, we run an X32 rig for our years and it's like, I'll make some life so much easier to have that and to have our playback running the eye connectivity stuff that it's like, it's less setup time for us, less people. Yeah. I mean, we don't necessarily need an ears like a monitor engineer yeah, if yeah, we don't, yeah. if we can't afford it. And, uh, you know, it, you have to get creative on how to streamline things and kind of, yeah. That helps a lot. Yeah. It goes far. Yeah. Cause we're talking about stories here. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to talk about, um, we drive a lot on tour and <laughs> yeah. you drive a lot on tour yeah. spe- more specifically. And do you want to talk about, <laughs> do you want to talk about the story, the Chicago parking story? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, it's a fun story. Um, it's kind of just like, it's an example of you don't know what you're going to run into. Yeah. And being able to problem solve in the moment. Yeah. And not get too stressed. I totally got too stressed though, for sure. <laughs> I was like at my wits end by the end yeah, of that yeah, night. Yeah. But, um, 
This is post show. Just to post set the show. scene. Yeah. Post show. Downtown Chicago. Downtown Chicago. Like two AM. Two AM. We're all tired. We just loaded out um of a show. Yeah. Um we're trying to find parking near the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um there's no parking. We're in a tall sprinter van, so it's yes. like we can't get into a parking garage. Limited. Yeah. Yeah. And um the a huge thing on tour is not getting your van broken into. Yeah. And I know people personally who've had that happen and it sucks. Yeah. And it's like when you're driving a van, all you're thinking about is like, I have $50,000 worth of gear in this van or something. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't lose my laptop and whatever. No. And when you're in downtown Chicago, I'm like, someone's going to break in the van. You know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 if right. I'm like downtown Philly or downtown, whatever, it's just like, I'm parking on the street or what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like so risky. Right. So I was trying to find parking that night and um, there's no parking at the hotel. I'm driving around. I can't find a public parking lot and I end up finding one that after many options. Yeah. After <laughs> driving around for a long time in Chicago. Yeah. And the pay machine doesn't work there. That's right. Yeah. And it's like broken. And I'm like, I don't know if one, is it legal to park here? If I can't pay, there's no one at the till or whatever, the box, like, um, you know, and I see someone else trying to pay and we're trying to figure it out. So I park in the back corner of this sketchy parking lot. Yeah. And I pin it against a wall and against a railing. And I'm like, oh, this is so not safe. It's out in the middle of nowhere. This is so open. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a terrible option. I come back and there's a free parking spot, I think. Right, right in front of the hotel on the street. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I book it back over and come back. Or one of us went back to get it, and, and it was taken yes. initially. Like It was like within that time, someone had taken it, and it was like, like Lord, help me. Yes. What are we yeah, going to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. So we go find more street parking somewhere else, and this time we're like, okay, it's going to be well lit. It was under an overpass, and we're like, okay, this is a lot lower likelihood of someone going to break in. And then we come back, and there's a free parking spot again. <laughs> again so then yeah. we run back and yeah. then finally come back and get the parking in front of the hotel, yeah. and we were fine, but. Um, that whole process took like two and a half hours yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then I had to get up at 6 a.m. Yeah. to go renew the parking. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, parking is sort of a, a yeah. dumb situation. There's sort of. every city has like their own parking app. Yes. So like get the parking app for that city and then you can just like do it on your phone. Green P. Yeah. Green P here in Toronto and there's like a New York one. Um, Chicago has one. Yeah. LA has one, I think. Um, I don't so, know. It's just an example of like, yeah, it just, I don't know, every little thing. Yeah, like, every little thing can go wrong. And oftentimes it does. And yeah. that's especially like a reality of, of a headline tour- touring, especially as an independent artist. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, one of our craziest experiences over the past couple of years um, is the Charlie XCX stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start by saying that like we were in a very like privileged position um, because of the relationship between um, the Charlie XCX camp and the Elio camp, because yeah. at the end of the day, they are very similar, uh, and they're the same people. Um, so yeah. we were we were in a very like um, we're in a very lucky position to be in uh, because not a lot of pe- not a lot of artists and not a lot of bands get to be in this sort of position where, in our case, we were on the bus with the the XCX crew. We were. 
um, you know, we were allowed to eat at catering. We had our own green room, but that doesn't always happen. No, no um, way. Yeah. A, a lot of the time, a lot of these artists are um, doing what we call bus chasing. Yeah. So they have um, a van and they are bus chasing, meaning that they are following the bus um, from night to night mm-hmm. um, between tours. Um, they need to leave that the next morning as opposed to that main artist in our case, Charlie XCX who was leaving the night before and driving overnight while we had to wake up in the same city the next morning, but drive to the next venue day of show sort of thing. So there's a lot of like different stuff um, that happened, but for us on the, on the Europe tour, we were like very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, What stands out to you on that tour? What are some highlights of that tour? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the beautiful things about touring that is so lucky, uh, like you just, like you said, you just feel so privileged and so lucky to be able to do it is seeing new places. Mm. Um, And working in a job where you get to travel sometimes is like amazing because you get to see new places. And I'd I'd never been to Germany. I'd never been to um, Paris. You know, I'd never been to Spain and um, we got to do that yeah. and that was beautiful. It was amazing. And, uh, getting to share that with like friends too. Um, that's definitely a highlight was just seeing new places. And, um, I think as well, those were some of the biggest shows we'd ever played and, um, getting to, you know, working with an artist and getting to grow with them and scale with them and, and take their music to bigger and bigger audiences is really an amazing feeling too. Yeah. I don't know about you. What about you? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's definitely the places, um, mm. the people as well. Like the XCX crew is so amazing to us. Um, yeah, and learned just getting, a lot from them. Learned a lot. Yeah. That was like the next thing I was about to say is just like learning every day yeah. from, you know, specific people. I want to shout out like people like Rafa, um, people like Air Stage our Manager. man, Sam Barrett. Yes. Um, the production manager for XCX, um, just like some of those people, you know, backstage, even like just being human on stage. I think like shout out to, to, to birdie as well. Um, shout out to like Connor or merch, Charlie XCX's merch person, like all those people that even that we have, we still have some communication with today. Like even just meeting them as was such a, like a, a great experience. Jim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like it inspires us or inspires me. Like, I don't know if you feel this way too, yeah. like to mentor other people. Yeah, yeah. Right. And like when younger guys or younger girls come in to be like, let's help them out, yeah. you know, like and have, because like, they were so patient with us. And like the amount of times when I was like, I can't change the setting on the in your monitor yeah, rig. Yeah. And Jim was like, I'll show you. Like, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I'll help exactly. you out. And I'm like, oh. The openness, yeah. Yeah, and it kind of inspires you to be that way to other people and younger people coming up too. And so um, I think that's the type of energy you want to have in this industry, right? Yeah. And I think it's important for you to note too, so that's not everybody's experience. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think I'm grateful that our first experience on a big tour was one that we got to learn a lot. And it was a very safe environment to make mistakes and stuff. Yes. Where um, definitely there's a lot of tours where it's a lot higher pressure and maybe less connection with the main artist or the main artist team we've been on shorter runs like that where it's very much like 
there's the artist and then there's the opener camp. Yes. And it's like, you don't cross that line very yeah. much. And, yeah. um, you know, that's not, um, that's super normal. I think that's like mm-hmm. much more common experience for opening acts. Yes. And, um, and that, in those settings is just a matter of like, again, like being super respectful, being super prepared, mm-hmm. um, on time, keeping your sound check tight, keeping it simple. Yeah. being efficient and especially for lo- like set up and tear down yeah, it's exactly, like yeah. you gotta be tight and so like um i don't know if we had this in like the tip section or we're like but yeah, yeah. um like labeling things labeling and yeah. like having um like taping things well on stage and like making yeah. sure you don't have like your pedals all over the place cabled up and then when you're like trying to take them off stage like bundling them in your arms it's like totally. have your boards clean have them velcroed have everything labeled to plug in and, and out and so that yep. you can get on and get off. And um that crew will notice you. Yes. Too. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean that this whole podcast is basically what we do. Like in terms of everything we've talked about here today, um, is what we do. Like we work with the artist to help them put on a show that's seamless and come alongside them. I think a lot of the artists that we work with um, are younger, are producing music on their own and need a team around them to execute their show. And um, so I think everything we talked about today is like, this, this is what we do. This is what we do. We um, musical direct. We um, put the gear together. We help get the paperwork together. We help get the budget together. Um, and you kind of come in as, two people who wear multiple hats to um, help run things. Yeah, you know exactly. The, the pitch is going from, you know, studio to live. Yep. And specifically in 2023, it's going from bedroom producing, which a lot of people are doing, mm-hmm. um, to touring. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I wanted to thank you for being, you know, um, first first guest on this on this podcast yeah i'm um, so glad that we get to work on most of our projects together um and share a lot of this knowledge and be able to discuss like pretty openly about this stuff yeah um yeah. as for this podcast i'd really like to thank everybody who's been listening in um throughout this episode thanks for staying all the way to the end um this is only the beginning for us uh, we're just starting um to be with you every week and to sharing our insights um we also want to make this like a collaborative experience. So like, please don't hesitate to ask your questions uh, on socials, on YouTube. Um, you know, please don't hesitate to leave a review. Um, please like comment and subscribe uh, and all that stuff. It really allows for us to create like a better um, experience for all of you um, and um, to share. Um, but yeah, for now, thank you. Have fun. Be safe, and um, we'll see you next time. Ha <laughs> <laughs>